Good morning. Good morning. Woo. My name is Stephen. For those of you who don't know me, glad that you are here. We are in uh, the middle, I guess now the tail end of a series called Exceedingly Righteous. And what we've been doing is studying through Jesus's famous uh, sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, seeing what it has to say to us. And uh, a big part of this series has been Jesus teaching, you've heard this said, but let me tell you a better way. The, the righteousness that I've come to bring, Jesus says. And it's not an external righteousness. It's a righteousness of the heart. And so Jesus has been uh, um, kind of chipping away at these uh, wrong ideas that the religious people of the time had. And he was coming to set them free free from the law, free from uh, improper thought about who he was and what he came to do. Over the last uh, few weeks, we've been in kind of like a mini-series within the series where Jesus has been uh, now making it a slightly more practical and uh, looking at our lives here in the physical, not just what's going on in our hearts, but then how does that apply to the physical world around us? Last week, Jesus instructed us at the very end that you can't have two gods. You can only serve one. You can only be on one path. And either God's leading the path, or as he said it last week, man, mammon, or money is leading a path. And so you pick which path you're going to be on. And he ended with, you can only have one. You cannot serve God and money. Now, immediately after he finishes that statement, this word appears in our text, therefore. And a lot of times we read this text disconnected from what came before it, but that's not the proper way to read it. It starts off with, therefore, as a reminder that because you've chosen to serve God instead of money, instead, uh, because you, you chose God instead of the world, now, as a result of that, you're on this path. And he says, I tell you, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. We live in a pretty anxious society. We have terms for it. We have meds for it. We have an entire industry that's been built around how to deal with anxiety. And here Jesus wants to address it. And what he's saying at first is not just the feelings of anxiety that you get before a test or a big thing at work or a performance or whatever it might be. Jesus is talking about a deeper anxiousness. And he's telling us that we can be free from it. And at first he's saying, the reason you don't have to be anxious is because once you chose to follow God instead of money, it should have set you free from being, uh, from being controlled by things that should never have control over you. In other words, once you chose to follow the God path, he says, you don't have to be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink nor about your body, what you will put on. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothing. What he's saying is you've chosen a path where you don't have to be concerned about the things of the world anymore. And so therefore you ought not to be anxious. He's saying, what level of anxiety would be lifted if you were no longer worried about how do I measure up? How do I compare to a sibling or a friend or my neighbor's? Uh, imagine a life, Jesus is saying, where you no longer get jealous when you see somebody post that on social media. Imagine a life where you're not striving to get to the next level. Imagine a life where you know satisfaction and contentment so you don't have to keep pushing and pushing and pushing. So think of the calmness that that would bring. Think of all the anxiousness surrounded 
by what you have or what you're trying to obtain or achieve or get or who you're trying to beat. He says, don't be anxious because you're set free from all of that on this path. It's a moment to stop back and to reflect and to ask yourself, do you have anxiousness about getting to the next level? About beating the person you compare yourself to? Do you have jealousy over seeing what somebody else has done, has, or accomplished? Jesus says, you ought now to be free from that completely. You've stepped on a different path. In fact, the presence of that in your life is an indicator that you've either strayed back to the other path or you've forgotten which way you were headed. So calm down. You're free from it. It says, isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Isn't life more than promotion? More than the nicest car, the biggest house, the most expensive jewelry? the most successful fill in the blank? Isn't life more than just finding your hope, joy, satisfaction, and contentment in the things of this world? Yes, it is. It's found in the kingdom. So don't, don't be anxious. He says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor weep, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Jesus is creating a picture for us to see and he's using birds to do it. Why birds? Uh, At least two reasons. The first is uh, he doesn't look down and say, uh, let me tell you about the biggest thing. He doesn't say consider gravity or consider the universe and the stars and the complexity of it. He doesn't start with the big, mostly because I think Jesus knows that we're oftentimes better at trusting him with the big things than we are with the little things. God, I can trust you for my very breath, but let me deal with this. He says the birds because he wants us to look in and to realize that he cares about the details of our lives. And when it comes to worry and anxiety, it's often those small things that become big things. And Jesus is saying, I care about those too. I care about the breakup. I care about your singleness. I care about the marital issue. I care about your financial burden. I care about your health. I care, fill in the blank. I care about the details of your life. Like I care about a bird. I care about you. Can you trust them in the small things? Why else does he pick the bird? I mean, think of a bird uh, uh, chirping, happy, singing, flying around, and they're free. And Jesus, I think, is creating a ridiculous word picture. He's saying as free as a bird is from the pressure of trying to get the promotion or the bigger fill in the blank or the better fill in the blank or looking better than somebody else's, as free as a bird is from wanting a promotion, that's how free you could be from it. It's a ridiculous word picture. Of course, a bird isn't worried about getting a a pay raise. In the same way that the bird is free from it, you can be free from it, Jesus says. That's why the bird. That's how free we can be in Christ. As free as a bird is flying around and starting the morning, chirping and happy and singing. 
Jesus is saying there's a freedom that leads to joy and exploration that can be found in trusting me so deeply. You're set free from all these other things that everyone else is caught up in this race, running around and striving after. But you don't have to. You don't have to, Christian, child of God. You can be free from it. Jesus gives us another reason on why not to worry. He says, and which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? His second reason for not to worry, it doesn't do any good. It's very obvious. Jesus is saying, stop. Worrying about your health won't make you healthier. Worrying about your finances won't make you richer. Worrying about your surroundings won't make you safer, Jesus says. It's useless pointless. Instead, he says, consider the lilies. Look out and see something. Look out and see how God has been faithful. He says, why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. In other words, they're not running around striving. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. What's he doing there? He's contrasting something. He's saying the flowers are a small part of my creation, uh, small compared to the stars and the galaxies. They're just flowers. That's my lowest attempt of creation. They're just flowers. Solomon was the pinnacle of humanity. And so he's saying man's best effort fails in comparison to my minimal effort. Said another way, what's better, your striving or God's blessing? What's better, you trying to protect and control or you trusting his power and his sovereignty? He's saying your best effort fails completely next to my minimal. And I care about, I care about whatever it is for you. It's useless. Stop worrying, he says. Now I know where we, this leads us. We think of, but if I don't worry about it, then it won't happen. If I don't strive for it, if I don't search for it, if I don't look for it, it'll never be found. And so we go on this quest and we take control. Uh, but look at the promise of verse 30. But if God... So close the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven. Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So there's a faith element to this. There's a faith element to what God will do. Otherwise, I think what God is teaching is that our worry will consume us. And you've seen this. You've seen worry consume you. I mean, worry starts as this thing that's out there, this, this vague idea or something that is out in our future or a problem that we're dealing with and it comes into the mind and then it sinks into the heart. And worry doesn't typically just stay there. It then eventually manifests itself in some physical platform. Oftentimes in this, this is a phrase I made up, uh, worry hits us and it leads to indecent imaginative destruction. Indecent imaginative destruction. Here's what indecent imaginative destruction is. It's when you get a text from a friend that says, hey, can we talk? And then you miss each other on the phone. 
And then uh, a text turns into 24 hours where you haven't connected. And by the time you actually talk, you've played every scenario out in your brain and now you guys hate each other and you're not friends anymore. And all they wanted to do was thank you for the flowers or something. And you've played out every scenario. And decent imaginative destruction is when a thought comes into our mind and we play it out in a hundred different ways in the negative. And by the way, there is enough scripture to indicate. We see one particular case in the Old Testament where David thinks a thought came to him. It was a negative thought, um, but it actually, the scripture teaches us that it wasn't from David's own thinking. It was actually the enemy planting the thought in his head that a lot of times indecent imaginative destruction is actually the enemy coming in and manipulating you to walk yourself down a mental path that isn't godly. Plagued by worry. And then the worry begins to settle into the human heart and you've played out all of the negative scenarios and it doesn't just stop there. It begins to manifest itself in another way. And so there was some little thing that might potentially be a problem down the road, but now it's taken over your brain and then it starts really playing out. And so what started as a thought bubble worry that has sunk into your heart now leads to harshness towards those you love. And so you become cruel to a spouse, to a child, to a friend, to a coworker. And the thought is, what a jerk. How mean are they? I can't believe they're doing that. And we come up with all these ideas and scenarios on the person who's being harsh to us when what's really going on is worry has just taken over their heart. And it's played itself out. Maybe it's a sibling, whoever it might be, and you're harsh toward them. Or if it's not that, Oftentimes what worry will do is it'll begin to be, uh, lead to stress in every other area of your life. And so you were worried about something in your job, but all of a sudden now stress has um, flowed over from that little compartment and it has flooded into everything else. So now the marriage is stressful. The parenting is stressful. Uh, your health becomes, uh, deteriorates and it's worry and it's stress pouring over all in something that Jesus said, don't worry. See, when Jesus instructs, don't worry, I think what he's doing is foreseeing, not just like, hey, worry's a sin, so let's not do it. He is seeing the damaging effects of worry playing itself down the line. And so when Jesus said, don't worry, he was saying, don't worry, because if you worry, it's gonna create a bubble that's gonna end up having you being harsh towards your kids. It's gonna deteriorate that relationship. So let's take it back here. Don't worry can lead to decrease, uh, decreased productivity in the rest of your life and the things that actually matter. <laughs> I mean, you lose sleep. You're supposed to be at work focused on that, but you're so worried about this other thing out there that you can't do that. And it begins to break down everything, which then eventually leads to sinful patterns in order to cope. And so you start doing more. More what? You drink more, you inject more, you smoke more, you watch more porn, uh, you sleep around more, uh, you spend more, and you collect more, whatever it might be, more, 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 more. And then somebody looks in and they're like, why is he drinking more? Why is she this more? Why is that more? And what it was all tied back down to was something at the very beginning that Jesus said, don't do this. And so you're all the way here now and you're an addict and Jesus was all the way back here saying, don't worry. Don't worry. Because here's the path of it. Don't step on it. Don't step on it. Step off here and settle. Now, how do you settle? 
How do you settle? You have to trust something in order to settle it. Oh, he gives us the reason in verse 30 when he says, but if God so clothes the grass of the field, using God's metaphor, it's this. He will clothe you. He will clothe you. It means you don't have to clothe yourself. It means he will protect you where you need protection. It means his effort is better than yours. He will do it. He will bump you up. He will open the door. He will give you the spouse. He will give you the right answer. Let him do it. He will clothe you. There was a point in my marriage, actually it was before my marriage, when I discovered that my fashion sense no longer mattered, okay? My wife was up here. If you don't know her, she was singing. She was leading worship. And um, if you follow her on Instagram, you know that our house looks awesome. I had nothing to do with it. If you've seen my baby, she dresses cool. I had nothing to do with it. There was a point in our marriage, or again, pre-marriage, when I was living in the house and she had not yet moved into, and she decorated the room when I was away on a trip. And I came back and I said, this looks awesome. Now, if there was a room in my house, there's not. If there was a room in my house that I had decorated and you walked into my house and you looked at it and you said, okay, there's six rooms in the house. There's not even six rooms in my house, but this is all hypothetical. And you looked, you would know had I decorated one, which one I had decorated and which one she would have decorated. Now imagine if I stayed up all night worried about what am I gonna buy Reagan to wear? What if I stayed up all night saying, how am I going to match that couch with this floor and that painting? If I stayed up all night worried about that, it would be utterly ridiculous. Why? Because the answer to all of those problems, I'm sleeping next to. Some of you are living life right now where you're decorating half of the house and you're letting him decorate half of the house. And what you need to do is stop cramping his style. Let him have it all. See, there was a point where Lindsay stopped asking me, what do you think I should do? Can I go to Ikea? Just go because the end result is gonna be awesome. Some of you just need to let God go to Ikea, come back and do some things. Let him change some stuff. And what you do is you stand on the outside and you're like, hey, pro tip, why don't you do that? And God looks at you the same way my wife does when she looks at me. Just sit down. I got this. He's got it. He will clothe you. It means he will open the door. Stop forcing it. He will bring you the right person at the right time. Get off of Tinder. I'll get you into the next season. He will clothe you, child. He will clothe you. So now you're free. You're free like a bird. Nelly Furtado, I'm like a bird, okay? You're free like a bird. You know that the 
pointless activity of worry will never produce what you're pursuing because he will clothe you. So what does it mean for you now? Oh, it means verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you because now you're completely free and you have a promise that the God of the universe will clothe you. So all you got to do, wake up every day and say, kingdom first, kingdom first in my singleness, kingdom first in my marriage, kingdom first in my business, kingdom first. And all my pursuits, kingdom first. Why? I don't have to worry. Because as you're running down kingdom first, he's just going to throw everything on the path that you need. And the moment that you start to worry about what's going to be added on, when the new job's going to open up, when the person's going to happen, the moment you start doing that, you've hopped paths. And so he's saying, stay on the path and trust the person who's leading you down it. Kingdom first. That's the first thing you get to do. The second thing you get to do, I think it's even better. Now they're tied together. He says, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I think there's a joke in there where God's like, you ain't even smart enough to think about the future. Let me handle it. Tomorrow doesn't just represent the next 24-hour period. It represents the next season of your life. And he's saying, stop worrying about that season when you're in this one. Stop worrying about tomorrow when you're in today. Stop worrying about your marriage when you're in your singleness. Stop worrying about your next job when I have you where I do. Stop worrying about college when you're still in high school. Stop worrying about your first job when you haven't even graduated yet. Stop thinking about then and start living right now because he's got something for you. My favorite joke when I was growing up, now remember I was 12, so it was funny back then. My favorite joke was uh, uh, somebody walks in to to, uh, get a room at a hotel. They say room 37. They go up to room 37. They turn off the lights. They go to sleep. And when they're sleeping, they hear, I got you where I want you and now I'm going to eat you. They freak out, run out. I don't want that room. Next day, somebody else comes in and says, I need a room. They say, ah, the only empty room we have is 37. So they go up to room 37 and they hear this voice. I got you where I want you and now I'm going to eat you. Runs out, freaks out, I want that room. Third day, same thing happens again. They hear the voice, I got you where I want you, now I'm going to eat you. This person was brave. So they open up the door and they see a monster and he's picking his nose and he's got a booger on the end of his finger saying, I got you where I want you and now I'm going to eat you. Okay? No, no, I was 12. That's funny. Okay? Now, here's the theological implications of this joke. (laughs) First, God is not a monster. There is no closet, and you are not a booger, okay? And that is good news for all of us. Here's the other good news. And here's what I need you to believe this morning, because it said this requires a little bit of faith. And so you might, if you need to, get a little bit of faith because there's something that is true. He's got you where he wants you and now he's going to bless you. He's got you in the job that he wants you to be in and he's going to bless you, hold on. He's got you in the singleness and he's gonna bless you, hold on. He's got you in that season for a reason, right where he wants you. Now let the blessing come and receive it by faith. Because it will come. He's got you where he wants you. And he will clothe you. 
So be free. Like a bird. Chirp. Wake up. Kingdom first. Your worry won't do any good. Oh, and let the blessing come. Because that's what your heavenly father wants.